Welcome to this week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. Welcome to this week's episode. We have a, a special guest co-host with us. Uh, of course, I'm here. I'm Chris Pullman. And I'm Gloria Ackerman. And she has a cold, so you might not hear from her a lot. And then we uh, have with us... On Tom Pomeroy. Yeah. You, If you listen to our um, uh, MASH roleplay game actual play, you heard Tom on there. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're, we only have like a season and a half left, but we're going to try and uh, bring Tom in whenever he's <laughs> able and willing to for uh, Father Mulcahy episodes so um which one of these is we have uh two episodes so we'll we'll go over um a synopsis of the first one and then talk about that and synopsis of the second one and then talk about that one uh first one season 10 episode uh, 12 on disc blood and guts so this is um an episode it's a very memorable one for me at least um not that they all aren't i mean that's <laughs> kind of my shtick on the show but um we see a reporter clayton clay kibby uh come in to the forward double seventh with uh six pints of blood from his readers back home and he's uh doing follow-up pieces on them to uh to kind of track the blood from his readers to the battlefield and i uh, thought that was a great idea mm -hmm. oh no absolutely and you know as far as the war effort goes getting blood donations it's a, it's a great thing absolutely it is um but what hawkeye and and uh well hawkeye mainly what hawkeye quickly realizes is that clay invents his stories he doesn't re report the war he makes the war uh, at least for these pints of blood because they end up being in a very um non-combat area during this episode and so uh what they end up doing is giving these pints of blood one is for a kid who wipes out on his bike one is for another kid who was uh fishing with hand grenades <laughs> and then the last two pints end up going to clay himself when he goes on a drunken ride on a motorcycle and wipes out and um, for the two kids, he actually, he tries to make them into heroes. The first kid, um, this thing about being behind enemy lines and with important information, blah, blah, blah. And then um, the next one, something about taking on a whole uh, platoon of enemy frogmen. He was fishing. Yeah, he was fishing. No, no biggie. He just, the grenade didn't get quite far enough down in the, in the pond. And so he got a piece of shrapnel in him from the grenade. Um, but it, it's memorable to me because of, if nothing else, this is where we see, uh, BJ getting his bike. His second bike, His actually. second, oh yeah, you're right, because they had yes. the, the one with the sidecar. Yep. Um, from, oh, I don't remember the this episode, the it's where everybody, mm-hmm, but yeah, Clay, uh, another thing about it, BJ fixes it. It, it has busted distributor points and then clay is able to say you know the mps i, I filed my report on time the mps couldn't catch me because they didn't have any distributor points jeeps use the same thing as these indian scouts so um uh 
uh, uh, Klinger grabs a bunch of distributor points from the motor pool and BJ fixes up the bike but then Clay uh, breaks it, he busts it up. So um, I, I think that's basically the synopsis here. Um, One thing that really bothers me in this episode is I wish, I mean Clay didn't even really need to come to follow the blood because he made up the stories anyway. He could have done that from home. Mm-hmm. If he was going to do it. So you would just assume that he would have actually told the real story. Mm-hmm. Even though it was boring. But yeah. he did use the real names he of did. the people. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he, he took the real names and embellished. Right. So so the whole moral dilemma was uh, it's good to get have a good story so you get more blood donations and such, but is it a good story if it's not true? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the other thing that bothered me about that was, um, I mean, obviously these kids survived, but their folks are probably going to read these stories about them. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, Johnny. There wasn't a Johnny, but, you know. Yeah, um, oh, Johnny, you got hurt. You were in danger. I mean, I know it's a war zone, but, you know. Like, they're reading about Thomas being behind enemy lines. He wasn't. He said right to Clay's face. You know, I wouldn't have volunteered if it weren't a secure area. And that's where he gives BJ the Jeep, because he, he thought it was going to be a cakewalk. Yeah, and it's like, well, no, I don't want anything to do with that. I wasn't planning on getting hurt. <laughs> I don't want that. Thing. I don't know if you've ever ridden a bike, but Dude. I wanted to get my motors like in the worst way and mm-hmm. I just kept and, and so I decided okay I'm going up north and riding Kay's little because mm. yeah, like, you don't really need a license mm-hmm. I guess you do have to have one but I didn't know that yeah so <laughs> only if you get caught reading riding <laughs> them is so different than it's hard it's like you mm-hmm. have to have balance and you like you have to pay so much more attention mm-hmm. no doubt I have no desire right now to get my driver's license. And all I rode was scooters, so mm-hmm. I would imagine that the motorcycle would be a little harder to handle. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Laura wants wants to get a motorcycle eventually. I know she's working on her license because her moped goes too fast, <laughs> which I think is great. But um, yeah, the, the other really neat thing I think about this episode, speaking of riding motorbikes, is you see um, Farrell. Uh, BJ. Yeah, BJ. He's actually riding the bike. I mean, it's not like a a stunt guy. You actually see BJ BJ riding the bike, which is cool because, you know, in movies today, it's just a behind shot. And it's like, oh, well, that's a body double for the most part. Plus, I think in movies, at least these days, after a certain, you, you can only go up to a certain mile per hour without a license, without a motorcycle license. So they do these, like, bike chases at like 15 miles an hour and then just he seems like the type he might trips. have a real he driver's might. license yeah but um yeah it's just neat to see him actually doing it and clay rides rides the bike around too around the compound he bade bj call us let us know if <laughs> you Farrell. actually rode the bike oh I, i'm sure yeah. he did yeah but I, I thought that was neat um there aren't really any interesting factoids on the mash wiki for this one um, you know, the, the one thing while watching this that I thought was interesting, um, I swore that it was, no, no offense, uh, Alan Alda, if you, if you listen to these, 
I thought it was going to be one of yours. I did Because too. it just, Hawkeye goes on this pious rant about, God, you're making it sound like such a damn adventure. What's so adventurous about this as he's picking shards of uh, Clay's whiskey bottle out of, out of his butt? Well, like, you actually mentioned before this started, you had said, is this uh, Alan Alda one where... Where he's just normally yeah. Alan Alda, or is this the preachy Alan Alda? This was well. Preachy. There's a there's a number of episodes where he where Alan Alda does it. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, oh, okay, we're gonna preach to now. Yeah. it's the late seventies, yeah. and you have but, to have a moral to every single episode. Well, this one is um. We know exactly when this one aired. This one aired January eighteenth, nineteen eighty two. So this was the early eighties. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And yeah, no, it, you you do get those where it's Alan Alda written and directed and. For the most part, you can tell. And that's why I thought this was one of them. But there was that period uh, right around when I was in high school in the early mm-hmm. 80s, late 70s, mm-hmm. where it seems like every single sitcom was an after-school special trying mm-hmm. to teach something. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, you know, it's... Yeah, with, with this, just that, that rant that Hawkeye goes on is that sort of thing, for sure. Um but I mean, it's not out of character, of course, because Hawkeye's railed against war and killing and all of this, the, the whole series. Right. You know, I mean, I think he mentions at some point, like, Hemingway's obsession about making war romantic, and yeah. this feels along a lot of the same lines. Well, even the title uh, of, the, of the episode. Blood, Blood and Guts, Blood yeah. Blood it's sort of these trying to glorify the war, and if I can glorify it through my writing, then my... My writing career will go forward. He's yeah. already famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is, and, and they mentioned that. I mean, Clay Kibbe is supposed to be. Pardon me. I don't think he's a real. That he was a real reporter, um, but that he was in at least World War Two. I think World War One, yeah. based on how he how he was talking, and right. in the Oak Club, he's he's romancing several of the nurses. Young and, and old. I mean, yeah, yeah. Margaret and it, a really young nurse. Mm-hmm. But um, to Margaret, he's saying, "Oh." This war is missing as a purpose. The last one was different. You know, we we knew what we were fighting for. I guess. And uh, Margaret, as we're starting to see her in these later seasons, she just goes, "I thought all wars were the same." Yeah. And I agree with her there. But um, that's where Clay gets this idea when there is this kind of temp. Well, not even a truce or a ceasefire, but just the action moves to a different sector. So that's what happened. We had a ceasefire, and there was no fighting going on. And yeah. he found out that he's not going to get yeah. his so, blood used as fast as he thought he would. But so he that goes, brings up... He goes to the, in a drunken stupor to BJ. Hey, hey, shh, don't wake anyone. Hey. What's... Unless you and me go get on the bike... And we'll go where the action is. Ha! Huh? Ha! Huh? Shh! Shh! Don't wake anyone. Shh! Shh! And uh, he didn't go, but that's the first thing that BJ noticed in the morning was his bike was gone. Yeah. Uh, when is it okay to lie? I yeah. mean, is it okay that he bel- embellished the stories? Mm hmm. Well, to help the war effort. Well, the thing is, if he's a reporter, no. Right. If he is a fiction writer or even yeah, yeah. just yeah. a war writer who mm-hmm. is trying to do things like that, 
But he's yeah. reporting it. Yeah. He's, he's supposed to be. If it's going back to a newspaper to report the facts, then, then yeah. yeah, then... then It then should be the facts. It should mm-hmm. be the facts. Yeah. And, you know, but that's... how many times isn't it? Yeah. Like, and... More than not, including today in our oh. news. You know, how do you find out the truth? You could go to two different channels and get completely different stories. You, you have to take your news from every source that you can find, overlap it, and whatever is the same between stories is usually true. That's what I would say. But, yeah, you know, Hawkeye... Specific, go ahead. There's also the element in our modern-day stories where you never sort of take the first story that comes out. Mm-hmm. You wait three or four days before the real facts finally get yeah. there Yeah. because you never know where, where the original facts I mean the, yeah. are going to end up yeah you've had yeah the, the facts have had time to be vetted and yeah yeah I agree with you and it just um, I think Hawkeye nails it on right on the nose when he says you know you he, he's having this conversation with um, Clay in post-op and it's something to the effect of you know what it's along the same lines of the uh, the rant that he goes on when they find Clay on the side of the road. But um, he says to him in, in OR earlier in the episode something like, uh, heroics don't actually exist, you make them exist. And uh, Clay just gives him the, this whole, like, you got that right. Yeah. That's... And if you've ever watched Dogma, it's this sort of Buddy Christ wink with a little thumbs up action going on. Never seen it. Yeah. Almost as if he's like hitting the shutter on an old timey camera or something. I don't, it's hard to describe, but yeah, it just. Thumbs up. I'm like, yeah. It, that bothers me. I know it's his thing, but it bothers <laughs> me. And we have the dogs in here. My apologies. All right. Um, anything else about this episode? Oh, just the whole yeah. fact that at the end, he did give the correct story at the end. A version of it. A version. A, version. Yeah, a much, a much yeah. more correct than yeah. the stuff he was making up at the beginning. Because he actually got the last. Actually, I think he got the last three plates of blood. Two. I think well, it was two. Well, it said two, but mm-hmm. they only gave us two stories. I'm guessing each soldier probably got two. Okay, because he said right. the last two pints of blood were used on Clay himself, mm-hmm. but they only gave us two stories, so two, four, six. Okay, I, that I, would make sense. I'm guessing it was two pints apiece. Okay. I'm guessing probably like one in surgery, one in post-op, maybe. Okay, because I couldn't figure that out. I'm like, no, yeah. there should be three left. No, no I four. agree, yeah. <laughs> Math yeah, doesn't make that, sense unless you... It also bias. makes the assumption, though, that everyone's the same blood type and you can automatically use, use. that blood... <laughs> with the next person who needs blood. Yeah, you you don't know. It could have it, it could have all been O. O positive yeah, or negative, whatever yeah. the popular one. That's what I have. But yes, it, it is the magical blood that's known as movie blood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, I agree with you there. They they, they could have all been A B. That mm-hmm. that was getting the blood. Universal receipt. Yeah. yeah. Just. I'm granted, just throwing that out there. Granted, they didn't know that every time they said, oh, they're going to get in her blood now, when they're just looking at the wounded person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they even said it before they went yeah, in. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. Let's go use your first. I, yeah, I believe the, the, the blood type would be called plot-specific. <laughs> it was plot-specific blood each and every time, so that was nice for the soldiers. Well, if they were, if they were hurt by... 
Uh, you always have the infinite bullets, and well, yeah. you don't have the blood that works for anybody. Yeah, no, exactly. We just, right. we just yeah. don't have to worry about science. No, yeah. no. Science, math, we don't need those. So were you able to look stuff up? Because I was wondering if Andy Vera Papa, or whatever his name, the bowling guy that Klinger mentioned, if he was real. Oh, I didn't even take down that He got to meet this note. really yeah. cool guy. No, you didn't. Okay. I didn't. Sorry, yeah. Uh, nope. I can quickly if you'd like, That's but okay. no, I didn't. Okay. Um, I, I would like to point out the last thing that we really hear in the story. In addition to Clay telling the readers about how it was a foolish old man's joyride that got him to use the last two pints, we also get um, uh, read next week. As I recount my exciting adventures meeting up with old French comrades in French Indochina. So a, a clear call out to the fact that um, the Vietnam War even in the 1950s was starting to um, become a thing that um, the French had to deal with. You know, because, you know, that didn't just spring up overnight. It's just that right. America got involved later. So, um, anything else before I, I just go over the, the guest cast? No. Okay. We had Gene Evans as Clayton Kibbe, Brett Cullen as Private Thomas Anthony McCainy, uh, Rita Wilson as Nurse Lacey. Production code was 1G09. Writer Lee H. Grant. Director Charles S. Dubin. And original air date January 18, 1982. Okay. Um, next up we have season 10, episode 13 A Holy Mess. Uh, so. Basically, the, the real quick version of this is um, this private comes into MASH and uh, he's gone AWOL. He ends up, the, the doctors figure this out, the captains figure this out pretty quickly, bring him back to the swamp, give him some of their moonshine. He's, he downs a whole uh, glass, it knocks him out. He goes to services the next day with with the captains. They weren't going to go, but he's like, "You guys are going, right?" Uh -huh. Oh yeah. He went to Beach. Go talk to Mulcahy. Beach. We almost missed service. Religious service. Yeah. <laughs> so they go, and then um, I think it's his platoon lieutenant and some MPs show up to collect him, uh, and he claims sanctuary. Mulcahy wants to give it to him, but he ends up not getting it, and it's following that plot line and then uh, the B plot is that in along the Imjin River um, there's a chicken farm that soldiers freed from the north and the farmer was so thankful that he donated a whole day's worth of eggs to all the soldiers in the area and um, so the 477th gets fresh eggs and so everybody's gonna get fresh eggs that didn't come out of a bag as powder and everybody's really excited uh, but then the mess tent is being taken up as a as a refuge. as a refuge as a sanctuary. So we see how those two plots collide. Uh, hint: the eggs get overturned outside as the captains try to have a ruined dine al fresco, and uh, the private ends up uh, getting a little bit of attention from Sidney Friedman and going back to his unit eventually. So. That's the short version of it. Um, honestly, not my favorite Mulcahy episode, but 
you know, it. it but when tr- I saw the beginning, I knew what it was immediately. Yeah. Like this one is a well-known one. Yeah, it's a good it's one. It's a good one. And it's just not like. And you know, I'll even. I I'll, wouldn't put it in the top ten. No, but you know, if you look at <coughs> in my mind, if you look at Mulcahy in this episode, there is this element of him uh, at the end when when Private uh, Nick Gillis when when Private Gillis. Um, ends up pointing his rifle at Mulcahy. Uh, Mulcahy's just staring him down very intently. And it harkens back to me uh, to an early season episode where um, Major Burns ends up bumping into Klinger in in post-op, making him drop a bunch of stuff. Uh, Burns orders Klinger to take off this scarf of his. Oh. And then he goes and gets a grenade. And he's going to blow up Major Burns. Why does it remind you of that? Because it was the same sort of thing. Mulcahy was the one who intercepted Klinger and said, Give me the grenades, son. You right. don't want to do this. And he has that same sort of calm steeliness to him in that episode as this one. Where he and just taking a chance. It doesn't yeah. matter what my life is. Yeah. Give me the grenade or give, give me, me the, the gun. gun. Yeah, just staring that down. Faith in people. Yeah. Whereas uh-huh. whereas death pretty much staring him in the face and he talks them both down. Right. It's just neat to me to see that that's a through point with his character. And what was kind of neat is he stared him down, eventually got the gun away from him, and then he broke down, and it was a very moving point where the where the person yeah. trusted the chaplain. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. then went and embraced the chaplain, and mm-hmm. Father Cahey. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a powerful moment. Yes. Oh, absolutely. In I, fact, the MPs kind of tried to talk over Mulcahy like he was worthless, and Potter didn't let it happen. No. That made, I like that part. And I, yeah, the, the fact that Potter has that much respect for Mulcahy, for who he is, what he is, and um, just his um, dedication. I can't remember the word that Potter uses, but, you know, he, he says to the lieutenant, if Mulcahy, if the father feels this strongly about it, I've known this man long enough to give him reason of the doubt. Many reasons of the doubt. Yes. Hundred reasons of the doubt. Yeah. So you know, I we're gonna we're gonna see this through as far as we can. And um, so they check with Icor, check with the head chaplain, the head then. But the thing is, each time it came down, mm-hmm. it came down against Father McKay. and he, even though he said, uh, "I'll do whatever they say," mm-hmm. when when it came down, he said, "No, I can't do that. I can't mm-hmm. do that." And, and so he is. He, he he held his values until yeah. the very very end, mm-hmm. until the private snapped. Yeah, and now now here's a thought for you, um, because each time we come back to the mess tent with Mulcahy talking to the private, they are talking. Mm-hmm. You know that that's how that's those scenes open. Do you think that Mulcahy was just trying to stall long enough to make Nick realize his mistake? I think, yeah, the way it sounded like he, he was trying to make Nick make the decision so it wasn't made for him. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the way it so the whole thing was saying, uh, what seemed implied is, just give me enough time that he can make the decision, not you just take him against his will. I mm-hmm. want it to be a voluntary thing. Okay. And uh, that, that's sort of what it, it seemed to me that he was shooting for. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, uh, we're going to wait, we're going to have permanent sanctuary, mm-hmm. but I want the private to make the decision, I need help. Mm-hmm. Which I think is another 
really good point about Mulcahy because in, in a, at a point, um, it, it was uh, the episode Dear Sigmund, where uh, Sidney Friedman was in camp. He, in his letter, in his journal to Sigmund Freud, he mentions how Father Mulcahy has this very natural therapist um, ability about him where he's just very natural at talking to people and getting them mm. to talk and no training but that's what he does you got training though it's like permanent so. empathy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's just it's such sort of a natural empathy yeah yeah i mean being a chaplain he mm. prays so much about love and caring so that when he encounters another person he mm-hmm. automatically is the listener mm-hmm. evaluating what does that person need how can i help that person i think yeah. that was that's in the very nature of his character absolutely yeah and i just i love whenever we see that mm-hmm. it just it yeah, I think it's important because mm-hmm. the Father McKay character can often be kind of two-dimensional and sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the Irish priest who likes to box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and even in the last episode that we just discussed, they mm-hmm. called him, he's the Irish priest who likes boxing and drinking. Yeah. No, because, yeah, <laughs> with um, Clay, what did he talk to him about? Yeah. Oh, that, that boxing match that you covered, and it was, yeah. you know, whatever it was, Cagney versus... I don't remember, but yeah. yeah. Well, I've never met an Irishman who didn't like a good beer and a good fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just noticed that as a secondary character in Match for the Father McKay character can be a little two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. So when he steps out of that mm-hmm. for an episode like this, I, I liked that. I agree. Yeah. And, um, and again, it just... You know, they, they did a pretty good job cutting the scenes, but... You, you really felt like he was just staring this guy down at the end of a loaded rifle. And I, mm-hmm. I think it was a really well done scene as far as the actual acting goes. And mm-hmm. you just, you know, they, I think they try and reinforce that at the end because somebody must have watched the cut and gone, Chris, it doesn't really look like you're afraid. Because then in the post-commercial scene, um, the, the captains are sitting with Father Mulcahy in the mess and... Um, okay, he says something to the effect of, I may have seemed steely calm on the outside, but I don't mind telling you, my stomach was some, doing somersaults on the inside. Mm-hmm. Because he did just have this very calm, very even demeanor about him that whole time of, give me the weapon, son. But I think, I think that's also... When you're dealing with chaplains in the military, mm-hmm. I think a lot of them have that that sort of steely. Uh, they 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 they're they're dealing with with young people. They tend to be the older people in the, in that crowd dealing with the young people. Yeah. So they're the mature one in the group. Okay. Yeah. No, well, I can see that definitely. And they're not like other. Oftentimes, when you have other uh, uh, officers. Mm-hmm. They have to be seen above because that's the way the military works. With mm-hmm. a chaplain, even though they have a higher rank, mm-hmm. associate better with uh, all groups. Yeah, well, because yeah, we we see that explicitly in this episode where um, you know, Mulcahy says to Potter, "Sir, I know that my rank doesn't really mean anything, no. but yeah." Well, in the United States, the the chaplaincy program. You have to be an officer. Mm-hmm. 
but you don't have to follow the officer rules. So, for instance, an officer has to go in the front of all lines, mm -hmm. so you can't just get in the back of the line with servicemen. Mm -hmm. The chaplain is allowed to break some of those rules. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Uh, however, it, it's not like the British chaplaincy program, where in, in, in Britain, from what I've gathered, if you are a chaplain, you are automatically assumed to have the rank of whatever person you are speaking to, so you are always speaking as an equal. Oh. oh. So you have a, a fluctuating rank as yeah. chaplain. Okay. So that way you can associate with anyone and you sense. do not have to follow the rules of rank that go with military. Okay. Because that's one of the struggles in the American yeah. program with yeah. chaplaincy is you're an officer. And that, that puts you at, at odds with certain people that you're dealing with. Yeah, you're fixed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, I mean, there's a, mili there's a military uh It should be that way. That actually makes that, sense. That, that, that does. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked about the chain of command other times because, right. you know, there. It, it actually shows up in this episode where you see the lieutenant coming in with full authority over his soldier. But... The colonel with full authority over his camp and what goes on inside of it. But the colonel cannot order the lieutenant to round because the lieutenant is not under his command structure. It's a different it's a tree. Right. Yeah. So they both have full authority over stuff going on in this situation, but they can't order each other around. And Mulcahy doesn't really fall under either of theirs, but he is ranked between them. Yeah. Which is that weird in between that you're talking yeah. about? It's yeah. I mean, he still has to follow orders. He, he still is in the military. He yeah. still has rank, mm -hmm. and so he does fall within the structure and mm -hmm. has to and is part of the military ethos. Mm -hmm. Which is why the the jag would have a say in this as well as the command chapel. What's mm -hmm. the jag? Just uh, judge, advocate, general. Lawyers, oh, okay. right? Okay. They they would um be the they ones. know the military law. Yeah, so they started with military law. Then they then he went to who's my head chaplain? Yeah, up his who, command tree. Yeah, who right now would be Archbishop Archbishop Brolio. Okay. So in case you're curious yeah. to who the head chaplain is right now, it's Archbishop Brolio. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Nice. It used to be Archbishop Ed O'Brien, but then he was made the Archbishop of Washington D.C., and that was, and he was the head of my seminary when I was in seminary. Nice. So that's how I know. Okay, so here's a question for you: um, Is it? I don't know if you would know this because it's a historical question about chaplains in the army. Is the head chaplain always a priest? No, it doesn't. There, there, there is the head of the military archdiocese. Okay. So within the Catholic Church, there mm -hmm. is a military archdiocese. Okay. And within that structure, that's all. That's a Catholic structure within yep. the military. Okay. Okay. So that would be the. That's that's who Archbishop mm -hmm. Brolio is. He's the head of the military archdiocese. Okay. So and they actually administer to all faiths. Yeah. Yeah. But once you are a chaplain. If you're a chaplain for an area, you, you, you'll have chaplain duties, uh, Catholic, Protestant, mm -hmm. uh, wh whoever. Oftentimes, they will have a Catholic chaplain and a Protestant chaplain okay. in the same place. That so makes you're, more you're not sense. automatically universal. Okay. But in many cases, there, there may be that. They try to have a Jewish chaplain. Protestant chaplain, Catholic chaplain, dealing with specifics, especially if there are people of specific faiths 
that they're dealing with. Because that, one thing that really excites me when I see Father Mulcahy mm-hmm. in a couple episodes is he knows all of the rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't just know the Catholic rights. Yeah. He seems to know the wedding rights for Jewish. He's done mm-hmm. weddings. He's done... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oftentimes, they'll have to do other things for other... They, they, in other words, they have to be chaplain to the whole group. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, however, being Catholic, he would also... His specific role would be the Catholic rights. Okay. And, and I ask about the like the command chaplain or yeah. you know, whoever the head is because we've seen two different heads... Mm-hmm. For uh, or two different commanders for Mulcahy come into camp. One of them seemed to be like he wasn't Catholic. He seemed yeah. like Baptist or something a little more um, boisterous. You're about that bossy one, the yeah. guy with the yeah. Bang the, the, there would be mm-hmm. the military head of the military chaplains from yeah. the military oh, perspective, that's what I think that was. Yeah. and the head of the military uh, the chaplains of the military archdiocese. Okay, which is kind of neat from a Catholic perspective. If you were baptized in a military camp, your baptismal record would be connected to the military archdiocese. So, which is kind of nice. Yeah, because, yeah, the, the, the other time that uh, somebody came in, it was his eminence. Yeah. Right. Bishop, whatever. I can't remember the name. Yeah, so there'd be two different roles. Okay, okay. So, okay, that makes a little more sense then. Because I, I always wondered, like, is there just one guy and then this there's also another neat thing about the chaplains with with when as far as combat duty mm-hmm. if a chaplain is single mm-hmm. they will allow them to go along with units specifically into the field okay uh, so you would often have Catholic priests going into the field mm-hmm. with the soldiers mm-hmm. uh, whereas if you had a family you would tend to stay at camps Okay. So, and then it's not just Catholic, but it's Protestant or anything, if you were okay. single. So, one of the famous Korean chaplains was uh, 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 Kapowan, uh, Father, Father Emil Kapowan. Okay. And he, actually, I think he's up for sainthood in the Catholic Church. Oh, really? And he fought in the Korean War as a chaplain. Wow. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, he... Uh, he would go into battle without any weapons, mm. and then when he'd run out into the battlefield and pull the <laughs> wounded back, sort of like the movie that just came yeah. out, that Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Well, I, and you know, you mentioned that uh, HBO's miniseries Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, two times in there, there's a there's a priest that we see, and it's just crazy. One of them was they were besieging. Um, oh, I don't remember the town. But they go in, and it's a bloodbath at first because, you mm-hmm. know, it, the Germans are um, entrenched in the buildings and well defended, and the Americans are trying to get in. So all these men are dying. And this, there's this uh, Catholic chaplain. He's just walking in the middle of the street, like going up to the soldiers. <laughs> Was he in his clerics? I think he had a stole on because okay. whenever he found one that was Catholic, he was yeah. giving them the last rites right there on the street. And these two soldiers are just looking. Look at that. Ah, the crazy Irish. <laughs> well, even in St. Pepper Ryan. Yeah. In that battlefield where they're surging mm-hmm. onto the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of scenes where yeah. there are chaplains on the beach without guns running yeah. up giving last rites to the soldiers yeah. as they are dying yeah. on wow. the beach. Well, and, and another one in Band of Brothers that I remember is when they're at, um, when, when they're, what is it? In the Ardennes Forest in the Battle of the Stone when they're, you know, where the, where they were dropped in, or no, when, 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 
uh, the German line bulged back out. Yeah. And then the 101st was pushed in quickly to try and hold mm -hmm. the city of Bastogne. There's a, a, a scene in there where they're, I think, on, going to go on patrol or back on the line. I can't remember, but they have the end of mass. And um, the one guy says, eh, see, now if we die, we're going to die in a state of grace. Yeah. One of the struggles that I have mm -hmm. is in the episode today, they yeah. said they had the service. Yeah. And so he was doing, uh, obviously, an ecumenical service. Yeah. And, and the people who were there, Colonel Potter was, mm -hmm. I think, Methodist. And yeah. so, so it was an ecumenical service. Yeah. But there was only three or four people there. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, whereas in this period of history, in the, in the early 1950s, it would have been standing room only all the way to the back. Uh, all of the, especially when when mass at that time, uh, Catholics very took their mass obligation mm. extremely seriously. So they would have been well, standing room only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, our father was in in the Korean War, right? And that's when mass was still in Latin because he always said, "I miss Latin mass." And then I asked him why once, and he goes, "Because I was in Korea, and I was all the way across the country, and I and the world in a different land, and I still understood what mass was because it was the exact same way as it was at home." Nice. It is. That's so I mean, yeah. you could have had a, 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 a Korean mm -hmm. chaplain who only spoke Korean had would have had Latin mass, the same readings, the same thing as everything that would have been happening in his home parish back home in mm -hmm. Kirkana, Wisconsin. That's crazy. That was just kind of that's neat. a good point. Yeah, but it was kind of it was it was sad that they. They sort of had no one at the thing, and, and they sort of played up the oh, we nobody does that. Yeah, nobody right. ever does at mash. In fact, they forced Hawkeye and BJ, or they wouldn't have been there either. Yes. I, I, I'm sorry, it's not that there never is. There only ever is when one of Mulcahy's commanders is there, because both times the mess uh, tent was full. Oh, okay. Yes. Otherwise, it's empty. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And that's one of the other things, since I'm here and I'm not often here, when we have yep. Father McKay here, the yep. elements, when they do have the Mass and he is wearing his vestments and yep. not doing an ecumenical service, mm -hmm. what they forget is they're, they're doing the Mass from the 1970s. Mm -hmm. If this was taking place in Korea, it would have been all in Latin and yeah. chanted with Gregorian chant. Uh -huh. Still oftentimes on the hood of a Jeep, but in Latin. <laughs> and he, he's always facing the congregation. He's always facing the congregation in, 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 where he would have been facing the same direction as the congregation mm -hmm. in, 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 in the 1950s. Yeah. And the nurses would have to have their the little, veil, the on little their veil on their heads. Mm -hmm. which yeah, you remember went, having the veil on your Yeah, head. I went to a Latin Mass, and, it, and if you didn't have a veil, you had to use a tissue and, and <laughs> bobby pin it to your head. They had extra bobby pins and extra tissues. Oh, wow. But the women's heads had to be covered. Not yeah. sure why. Because hmm. uh, St. Paul says that in, in the Bible. It says women's heads will be covered at worship. Hmm. Which, when yeah. when um, Ben, Jody, and I went down to spring training a couple of years ago, um, when we were down there, we went to Palm Sunday Mass at a church down there, and we did see some, um, I'm, I'm guessing there were uh, Latin American okay. ladies, or a, a woman and her daughter, and they had... At the 11 o'clock mass today at church, uh, oh. there was somebody in the front who had the, a veil, but she yeah. was wearing a black veil. Okay. And because she had black hair, you really couldn't see the veil. Oh, well, that's probably... She veils every when week. I, yeah. when I was that's in very... Vegas that weekend with yeah. the girls, yeah. like mm -hmm. half the congregation had that on. But yeah. again, it was a, a very Spanish yeah. Yeah. mass. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't say you can't do it. 
in the, in the late 60s, they made it optional to do it. So they still encourage it, but it's optional rather than yeah. mandatory, which means okay. that people just don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, we've gotten way off topic, but I love this discussion. Yeah. Thank you so much for contributing all that. Me too, but we can't leave without discussing no, yeah. plot B. Yeah, um, just, just, plot. Just, just real quick, yeah, um, why did Nick go off? It was because he had been there for a year. I just want to make sure that we get this in so that it's not just um, oh, Nick right. went off because of plot. And he wanted to go home. He wanted to go home. Because he misses his wife. That well, wasn't it. No, because <coughs> he had been there for a year, and his buddy sent him a letter about congratulations on your new baby that was just born three weeks ago. Now, for those of you who don't have a strong biology background from <laughs> high know. school... The gestation for a human child is nine months. If he's been gone for a year... Thirteen months, a little more than a year. That's impossible for him to be the father. And that's what set him off. So we have that. But yeah, the eggs. The eggs. Well, you explained why we got the eggs. eggs. But everyone wanted their eggs done a certain way. And of course the chef said... No, you're all getting them scrambled. Or yeah, I because yeah, I said. everybody was trying to. That's it. You're all getting scrambled. No <laughs> special orders. Yeah, because they all wanted over easy eggs mm. Benedict. Yeah. They wanted not spend my day in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and all he he just said, get them all scrambled. Yeah, and but except for Colonel Potter. Yeah. <laughs> what can I see? I've been outranked by sausage. <laughs> Because it's the colonel, the, thing and the colonel is it gets... doesn't make eggs don't take a lot of time. Because have you ever been to the hotels with the breakfast? You yeah. know, there's one mm-hmm. chef there, and he mm-hmm. just sits, and you do probably a hundred people in less than an hour. Yeah, but he all yeah, I don't know. It, it's well, it's eggs they don't the scuzo and the ending was great though because well, no, I I don't have one watching. Yeah, is it is it the same cook all the way through all the episodes or does the cook switch around? Um, this well, is potato re- peeler switches around because Igor. Well, yeah, like we see Igor serving out front, but I think this is the second and last time that we see uh, Sal. I'm sorry, Sal Salvatore Pernelli. As the cook. Otherwise, we don't really see the cook. We just hear complaints about the okay. cook. But, um, like, the other one where it was uh, Officer, where, where they were doing change of duty, and we saw oh, him. Yeah. and yeah. That's right. Um, I think we see him there. Yeah, no, the third time. Because we saw him when Hawkeye was trying to instruct him on how to do French bread. Oh, okay. Or French toast, rather. French toast, yeah. You... you, you, you you dump the bread until it just bounces back. Now, yeah, do you sure. want to pinch the bread, or shall I? <laughs> and then there was Boxing Day, where we saw the same guy, this one, um, where he's ordering Major Winchester around, you know. Uh-huh. Don't you normally have someone to to do this? Not yeah. normally. You. But I do today. <laughs> Get scrubbing. And then, yeah, this time. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I, I think he's the only cook that we see okay. on screen. But it was funny. We have different servers. But yes, then, different servers Clear all the time. even brought him Lebanese goat cheese. So oh, he'd get yeah. a, a cheese omelet. Yeah. Which, it didn't have a very good smell. Yeah. So, when, so in, in the mess tent, when Nick and Mulcahy find out that it can't be a sanctuary and it's all over, um, 
Nick tries to like take Mulcahy hostage, and Mulcahy comes in. Nick pulls up the gun. They fire into the air, and then this thing. But when they do that, everybody knows the sound of gunfire, so they all duck. The captain's serving at the table. Al fresco end up dumping the eggs onto the dirt. Onto the dirt. So I think only like five people, one of them being Kelly, probably got eggs. And then at the end, Mulcahy... And Hawkeye took a handful. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he's talking to the cook. Yeah. I hope you're not in there eating our eggs. Nope. <laughs> um, but then at the end, Mulcahy is eating the eggs in the mess tent. And uh, he says, you know, I, with all the cheese and, and bologna, I can hardly taste the eggs. And I don't know if it was Hawkeye or BJ who makes the comment. Better that way. They're powdered. They're Although, powdered. it was funny that... At church today, real church, yeah, uh, we had a missionary in one of her stories about her eggs that she would receive. <laughs> nice. you, you, you had stepped out for that yeah. faith. And she, yeah. So she talked about all the eggs that cause the, the poor people paid with eggs because oh. they had no money. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so I got eggs and a couple of different stories today. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, any Anything else from... This so episode. would would what in your opinion could the church or the mess tent because it's used as a church be a sanctuary? No, no. Because they said nothing that's movable, right? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a permanent structure. So it has to yeah. be a permanent structure. So you would have said no, also. Mm-hmm. That. Okay. No, but I don't think he was. I don't think he was really serious about having a sanctuary. I think his goal was to to, to, get, to, to get to give him some time for him to make the decision. I, so I yeah. think that was the goal. The goal wasn't really sanctuary, because even if they had sanctuary, they, they couldn't have spent too much time. Right. He just wanted to give the guy some time so he could make Work the choice. To do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Any any last thoughts on this episode? No. Okay. No. Well, just one yeah. thought, because the guy's wife that cheated, her name was Gloria, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah you took <laughs> you offense to that. You don't hear that name very often. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the one thing that the MASH wiki has Mulcahy could have been brought up on charges of interfering with the MPs if the MASH compound doesn't beat him up for ruining their egg breakfast first (laughs) again I'm not so sure since they're under different command structures yeah you know maybe I'm I'm sure Potter could have done something maybe the chaplain command but I bet it would be more of a slap on the wrist. And not only that, he wasn't obstructing. He yeah. was just saying, I want this checked out yeah. before it happens. I think so. So it wasn't he was obstructing. It yeah. was, I want it checked out. Yeah, I agree. So Yeah. Uh, guest cast, we have Cyril O'Reilly as Private Nick Gillis, David Graff as Lieutenant Spears, Val Bis- Bisoglio as Sergeant Salvador Pernelli, Roy Goldman as Corporal Roy Goldman, Ed Ramirez as the Wounded GI, Bill Snyder as GI 1, Dennis Troy as GI 2, Leland Sun as GI 3. Um, the production code was 1G10. Writers were David Pollock. I work with a Mike Pollock. And Elias Davis. Director was Charles S. Dubin. Originally air date was February 8th, 1982. All right. Um... That's, that just about wraps it up here. Uh, I want to, before I get into my normal spiel, thank, thank Tom, thank you for coming on. I, I love it when we have uh, guest, guest hosts on. Um, we get a different perspective. This yeah. is just Chris and I. And, and everybody who we've had do it always brings a, a very unique set of knowledge. And so I, you know, the, the, 
the stuff that you've been able to contribute just today about the chaplaincy and the army, I love right. hearing that because I, I didn't know and I've been right. curious. Um, when I was looking at becoming a priest, um, one of the things I asked about was like, could I become a military chaplain? You know, could I, mm -hmm. I, I would really like to serve both my church and my country. And, um, I mean, obviously, I didn't go that way. <laughs> what, would, what would normally do is you'd find a, a diocese. The diocese would put you through the seminary. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after you're ordained for that diocese, the diocese would then release you to the military. Uh, okay. And then the mil then you'd be part of the military archdiocese. Uh, or your religious order would release you sure. to the military. Mm -hmm. And then once you retire from the military, then you go back to your diocese. Uh, okay. But if you if you make it through the whole, the whole 20 years, you, you get the same pension a normal uh, a military person would have for those those many years in the military. Nice, nice. Yeah, we we've got a number of of people from our diocese here in Green Bay who are serving in uh, who are serving and then who have served in the military as oh. chaplains. Oh, very neat. I didn't know that. Yeah. <coughs> Matter of fact, I think one was in the Pentagon. Oh. When nine uh, eleven happened. Oh wow. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Glory. <laughs> yeah, forgot. She, Gloria's not uh, <laughs> drinking because of the cold. Tom doesn't. And uh, I, I... I think, think they're gone now. Yeah. I, I had my whiskey during the first episode because um, Laura and Ben are going on a softball game, which... We ran too long to go with them, but I was figuring I needed to be able to drive. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so thank you, Tom, for being here. Um, and your whiskey was different. It was. It we, wasn't just Jameson. Your, your Jameson. It was no, it was, Yeah, it was. Uh, it was Scotch whiskey because Highland Scotch. Highland Scotch. Yeah, I. I tried to get to like martinis, gin martinis, and I can't. I hate. Gin. Sorry, otherwise we would be drinking that. It would be gin and mash, or martinis and mash, but it doesn't work for us. Um, but yeah, like you, they drink scotch in there. I mean, I think Clay yeah. Hibby had scotch. He also had a Bordeaux that he was sharing with Margaret, I think. Well, the he, first colonel always had scotch in, in his office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's something that I've been trying to uh, get a good taste for, and uh, yeah. Slowly, slowly developing a taste for it. It took me a long time to figure out that Jameson was my whiskey, so I figure it'll probably yeah. take years to get my scotch taste on. But um, yeah, add that instead, which is nice. Uh, speaking of, you know, if, if this is your first time listening or if you're a return listener, uh, thank you for tuning in. We encourage you to uh, watch episodes of Mash with us. You know, if you're of age, uh, with a with a beverage of your choice, we prefer whiskey. Um, if this is your first episode and you'd like to catch up on our past uh, podcast episodes, you can head over to our website, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast link, go to the Whiskey and Mash page. There on the page are MP3s of all of our back recordings. You can stream them from the website or download them to your favorite MP3 device. Apparently not like an iPod Nano anymore. <laughs> Apparently Apple has retired those. Now it's just um, iPhone Lite otherwise known as uh, iPod Touch. They've taken the rest away. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. But. Anyway, uh, download them to your favorite MP3 listening device, uh, such as a Zoom. If you still have Microsoft Zoom and it's functional, good for you. Uh, otherwise, you can head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast application or Stitcher Radio. 
and search for us by name, Whiskey and Mash. Um, if you are so inclined, we appreciate knowing that our listeners are out there. On our website are two links on the Whiskey and Mash page. Again, narclaninc.com slash whiskeyandmash. One link is to our email. You can email us directly here at the podcast. The other is to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash whiskeyandmash. You can head over there and like our page. Whenever I post a new episode, I post the synopsis from our webpage onto our Facebook page so that you can get it there. And uh, also I link off to the MP3 of the recording. Um, go over, like our page, uh, like the like the post about the episode. Let us know that you're out there. Send us a message on Facebook, as a few people have that we've mentioned uh, in the past. Thank you so much for uh, letting us know that you're out there. We appreciate hearing from you. And if you feel that uh, this podcast is worth supporting, we don't do Patreon, we don't do any sort of contribution. We're not looking for that. What we are looking for is to grow our listener base. So if you feel like this podcast was, was worth your time and is worth your support, the best way you can support us is by sharing it with a friend, a family member, a co-worker, whoever you think would enjoy listen listening to us talk for... This is going on almost an hour. <laughs> I, I think it was good content today. But um, who would uh, appreciate listening to the sort of... Uh, stuff that we put out week after week about MASH. Um, any tips you have, we would love to hear, you know, about other podcasts. I know of uh, one other MASH-specific speci podcast, and then uh, just today we, we got a message from Brandon uh, about uh, Ken Levine, who does a podcast where he talks about some of his time on MASH. If you know of any other podcasts like that, we'd love to hear them so we can share them with the community. Um... Otherwise, we are we are winding down as far as whiskey and mash goes because we're in season ten. There's season eleven, and then there's after mash, and then that's it. So we're basically four seasons from the end of the run of this podcast series. It it's gone quick, but anyway, thank you for joining. Thank you for sharing with a friend, and uh, until next time, I'm Chris. I'm Gloria. And Tom Pomeroy. And, uh, have a good week. And then we play the outro music for a little bit. Outro goes, outro goes. This is where the outro goes. So, does this actually go to iTunes? Do people think we download it from iTunes? Yep. Yeah, it's really nice. The, the software I have up here, it uploads it to iTunes, but then iTunes kind of feeds out to other places. Then you can put it on your phone and you can have a million people. Things <laughs> like I do that I didn't look at. Yeah. Does it actually say how many people downloaded it? I think I could find that out. I never actually have. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not a huge number. No. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, but based on how many people are out there on our Facebook page, it's, we don't have a very large audience yet. Working on it. It's grown. It's definitely grown. So you're actually going to do Aftermath? Yeah. yeah. That was pretty nasty. Yeah. No, it's over here. I haven't seen it. Who no. has seen I, it? I watched well, part I just of the went, first episode. I just went to, on, on, I tried to YouTube, okay. and I downloaded some episodes on YouTube, and it was just pretty, uh, mm -hmm. That's how we heard, but that's what might be the fun part of doing it. Yeah, I think that is yeah. going to be the fun part. Yeah, we got it on disc, and um, yeah, we'll see. It just, how long did that go? 
three seasons, I think. Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first one was just so bad. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure it went three seasons longer than a lot of other better shows that are around today. <laughs> I, I never even heard of it until, yeah. until about two months ago when I, yeah, when I was doing some stuff. and. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure it was the fact that it was from MASH that had made it that long. <laughs> but that's you know it is there were the characters who didn't want it to end yes no that's exactly who it was so Mulcahy Klinger and Potter mm-hmm. yeah but good. well I'll end it there yes okay. I was still recording yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that yeah. have a good week everyone bye bye did Jody take the